Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is good to be with you today as uh, we're winding down in this semester. This is podcast number 11 in this semester of 12 podcasts, which I guess that would be episode number 19 of the Holy Man podcast. And man, this has been a great journey looking at these different lies. This is the last week that we will be looking into some of the lies as shared in the book, Lies Men Believe About, or Lies That Men Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. Great book, and I know some of you have really enjoyed some of these discussions about these lies. So again, today's the last week we're going to look at some of those lies, uh, the last five. And uh, and next week I have something different. I'll mention that, what we're going to do next week here in just a minute. But uh, it's been a good journey. I just want to thank all of the uh, guys who have been with me, who have uh, sat in with me on the different episodes. Uh, What's some just great men that I just love watching their faith grow, and it's been fun hanging out with them. Today, it's just going to be me uh, as we look at these last five lies and uh, some good ones here. We're talking about lies that men believe about the world in general, and you're going to see how that plays into this. But it's funny how some of these lies that we look at today, they some of them are comparable to some of the other ones that we've already looked at because Satan continues to just try to drive home some of these things that he's feeding us. All right, well, let's jump into it. Uh, the first one, it's uh, kind of funny for me. It's uh, The first one today is, the world is too messed up to bring children into. And if you know my family, uh, evidently Satan did not get into me too much uh, because I have, I guess, how many kids do I have? Oh, yeah, four. So uh, so we, we grew a big family, uh, at least from my point of view, it's a big family. And... Uh, Now, the funny thing is that with this lie, there is some truth within this lie. This world that we live in, it is messed up. It's true. But it's not just messed up in our generation. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is good to be with you today as uh, we're winding down in this semester. This is podcast number 11 in this semester of 12 podcasts, which I guess that would be episode number 19 of the Holy Man podcast. 
And man, this has been a great journey looking at these different lies. This is the last week that we will be looking into some of the lies as shared in the book, Lies Men Believe About, or Lies That Men Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. Great book, and I know some of you have really enjoyed some of these discussions about these lies. So again, today's the last week we're going to look at some of those lies, uh, the last five. And, uh, and next week I have something different. I'll mention that, what we're going to do next week here in just a minute. But uh, it's been a good journey. I just want to thank all of the uh, guys who have been with me, who have uh, sat in with me on the different episodes. Uh, what's some just great men that I just love watching their faith grow. And uh, it's been fun hanging out with them. Today, it's just going to be me uh, as we look at these last five lies and uh, some good ones here. We're talking about lies that men believe about the world in general. And you're going to see how that plays into this. But it's funny how some of these lies that we look at today, they some of them are comparable to some of the other ones that we've already looked at because Satan continues to just try to drive home some of these things that he's feeding us. All right, well, let's jump into it. Uh, the first one, it's uh, kind of funny for me. It's uh, The first one today is, the world is too messed up to bring children into. And if you know my family, uh, evidently Satan did not get into me too much uh, because I have, I guess, how many kids do I have? Oh, yeah, four. So uh, so we, we grew a big family, uh, at least from my point of view, it's a big family. And... Uh, now, the funny thing is that with this lie, there is some truth within this lie. This world that we live in, it is messed up. It's true. But it's not just messed up in our generation. You know, simply read the Bible. Man, the world has been and will always be messed up until Jesus returns. And that is simply because there are a bunch of sinners in the world. There are six of them in my immediate family. Well, unless you want to include the dog, then you got seven of them. Sinners, all of us. Now, there's some of you who would argue that the world is more messed up today than years ago. And in some ways, that is true. But in some ways, that is not true. We're just messed up differently than years ago because the world has changed. But one thing that has stayed the same. Sinners exist today just as they did then. And the good thing is God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can continue to rely on God in our messed up world that we live in. But then there's the other part of the lie that we do need to consider. It is that the world is too messed up to bring children into. Well, there are different perspectives on this, so let's look at God's perspective. Let's jump into Psalm 127. I'm going to start in verse 3 of that psalm, where the writer says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children are born to a young man like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver, and if you don't know that quiver is what you store the arrows in, how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of arrows or children. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So God says it pretty plainly in his psalm. Children are a blessing from God. No matter whether you have them in your house by having them the original way or if you have utilized in vitro fertilization or through adoption or even foster care, having children in your home, raising children is a gift from God. <clears throat> Are there headaches in raising children? Well, of course there is lots of them. But the blessings... 
God says they outweigh the headaches. What about that last line uh, in the psalm that I read? Did you catch that? It says that the person who has lots of children, he will will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. What in the world does that mean? Well, if someone wants to accuse me of being a bad man of some kind, if I have four children like I do in my house, they can speak on my behalf and hopefully say, no way. My dad is a good man who loves us and provides for us and shows us how to walk with God. The accuser might say one thing, but my little character witnesses, my kids, will share the truth which they have witnessed. You get it? If we are Christians in this messed up world, we should love the idea of raising children in our homes, no matter how we have those children in our homes, where we can show them a life of Christ so that they too will want to walk with Jesus. And in doing so, hopefully make the world a little less messy than what it was before. Anytime that we can have another follower of Jesus join us on the journey, the world gets a little bit more blessed. There should be no easier way to do the process of putting more Christians in the world than to raise children in our households to know Jesus. So the truth that the author shares, children are a gift from the Lord. And he wants to use those children to spread the gospel in our messed up world. When we embrace children as a gift, we partner with God in changing that world. Make sense? All right, guys, we're going to talk more about this in just a little bit as we jump into the last lie eventually. But the next lie, number number two, says this. It says, I am measured by how I compare with other men. You know, we've done a lot of comparing in this podcast over these. There's a bunch of different lies that have this idea of comparing in it. It's so funny how we do this so much. Comparing ourselves to others is something that Satan doesn't have to do too much to get us to do it. I mean, we do it a lot. And we compare ourselves to other men in so many different ways. You know, our trucks, our houses, our clothes, our jobs, sports teams, talents, the size of the elk or deer that we shot, how many guns we have, and the list goes on and on. And depending on which way we are comparing ourselves, depending if we are thinking, wow, I am good, or wow, he is so much better than I am, will depend on which way Satan can mess us up in the comparison thing. Either pride can get in the way or low self-esteem can bring us down. What is the better way for us? Well, one of the characters in the Bible that helped me with this thought process is John the Baptist. Many of you out there know at least a little bit about him. And if you do, hopefully you realize in the history of the world, John was a relatively big kahuna in the grand scheme of things. I mean, he was a prophet and a great leader, but on top of that, he was the one who prepared the way for Jesus to show up on the scenes. He even got to baptize Jesus. I mean, we're talking big stuff. But John didn't see himself that way. He didn't compare himself to others at all. He didn't care what others thought about him. Well, others than the one who sent him. 
It's in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, where we see some of the his where we see some of John the Baptist's disciples doing some of this comparing thing and having some struggles with it. Satan was whispering in their ears. And check out what John says to help them to better understand God's perspective. John chapter 3, starting in verse 26. It says, So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, <clears throat> the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, so Jesus, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. Do you see it? So John's disciples are jealous. That guy is getting more accolades, more people getting excited about him. He's getting more attention than we are. <laughs> well, how does John reply to this? Well, we continue. Verse 27. So John replied, No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. And then here's the, get this last line that, that John is so powerful us to, to recognize this. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. What would our lives look like if we simply lived in God's grace? If we truly lived knowing how deeply that God loves us and has a purpose for us and is with us and is for us, and no matter what others think, no matter what others have or what they are about or what they are doing, if we are God's, isn't that enough. The, the truth that the author points out, he says this, he says, when we receive God's gifts to us with sincere wonder and gratitude and humility, then we are freed from the need to compare and to compete. Guys, I want to do, I want to encourage you to do something right now. I'm going to want you in just a moment here, I want you to pause the podcast for just a moment and I want you to ponder for a few moments some of the blessings that God has shared with you. Start with your life in general. And then how about your any family or friends? You know, we just celebrated Easter. Anything in that story that maybe you should be thankful for. So I want you to pause just for a few moments and give God some thank yous. Just appreciate God and what the gifts that God has given you. And then after you pause for a few minutes and worship him for a few minutes, come back. And we're going to talk about the rest of the talk. Okay, welcome back. Hopefully that was a good moment for you as you recognize some of those blessings. Let's jump into lie number three in this chapter. It says, when everything going on in my life, oh, no, wait, let me say that again. It says, with everything going on in my life, it's really not possible to live with integrity. Over my 25 years of being in ministry, there's a phrase or two that I have heard many times that always make me laugh, and, and I have learned to respond with as much grace as I can when I hear it. It has to do with this idea of living with integrity. The phrase goes something like this. You can't say that here in church. Or maybe 
don't lie in front of the pastor. It's the mindset that there are certain places or being with certain people where we need to act more Christ-like. But I guess once we're out of those areas or out of the, this realm of certain people, all bets are off. Act however we want. So that thinking is limiting God's presence to only being at church or only being around when I'm near a pastor. And that is a lie that Satan loves to feed us. Being a person of Christ-like character only in certain places at certain times when I'm near certain people. Well, then, he, you know, this, this idea of integrity, what does this have to do? Well, let's talk about the definition of integrity. It, integrity means firm adherence to a code of moral values. So being incorruptible. Another part of that definition is an unimpaired condition or soundness. And a third part of the definition of integrity is the quality or state of being complete or undivided, completeness. So three main words there, incorruptibility, soundness, and completeness. So in our lives, if we live a life of integrity, we live the same way here as we do there. Our lives are incorruptible. They are sound. They are completely the same no matter where we are or who we are near. And if we say that we are a follower of Christ, well, that should mean that we follow Christ's way of living. We are bringing honor and glory to Jesus no matter whether we are here at the church or in our home or at the rec center or at our work or etc., etc. And like this lie says, you might be thinking because of who you work with, or who you exercise with, or because of what your home life is like, you might be thinking, I just can't do it. I can't live a life of integrity. I can't live to bring honor and glory to Christ everywhere. And you know what? You're right. You can't. Wait, pastor, did you, <laughs> Paul, did you just say that? I can't? No, we can't. But God can. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is the same no matter where he is. And so if we allow God to be with us, if we allow him to be our focus no matter where we are, if we allow the Holy Spirit of God to guide us and lead us in every moment, then God can make us more sound, more complete, more incorruptible, or more of a man of integrity. Now, guys, don't think for a moment that I have this all figured out and that I'm perfectly sound and completely Christ-like everywhere that I am. Just ask my family, and they will quickly share the truth. But am I better today than I was maybe 10 years ago? Well, yeah, I, hopefully I, that there's a witness that would say that, that that's the case. Because as I continue to journey with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit of God to control more and more of my life, and as I continue to find better habits and boundaries to help keep me focused on Jesus in all parts of my life, and especially those areas that I know I struggle, well, then my life gets better. Because here's what I have learned. If, if, it's a big if, if I'm a man of integrity, living like Christ as 
best as I can or best as I can allow God to lead me in all areas of life, well, then my life, it does. It gets better and better and better. Here's the truth that the author says. God sees every piece and part and ingredient of our lives. And God declares, you are mine. And our wholehearted, joyful response to God should be, God, I am yours. Boy, if that was in every part of our life, how could that make our lives better? All right, line number four. Being a Christian is supposed to be cool. (laughs) Okay, now I have to admit, this is one that was a little funny to me when I first saw it. And the reason is because the understanding of what is cool is very subjective. I mean, as a husband of Karen and the dad to my kids, I'm here to tell you that some things that I think are cool, well, they are not, and vice versa. You know, I might put on an outfit of clothes thinking, man, I look cool today. And then I walk into the room where my daughters are and they maybe they give me one of those look that says, dad, please tell me you are not walking out of the house dressed like that. Well, they might watch a show on TV like the show New Girl and they think it's cool. And I watch a little bit of it and well, I want to go find a John Wayne movie because I think a John Wayne movie is much cooler than New Girl, you know. We all have our own perspective on what is cool in life. A simple definition of cool is anything very good or excellent. So again, I guess it depends on what you're thinking about being Christian meant for you. You know, we say here at New Life that Jesus or following Jesus will make your life better and he will make us better at life. And you know, I don't know about you, but a better life? Well, that's cool to me. What it doesn't mean is that your life will be easy, more comfortable, more rich from the world's point of view. You know, this world is still going to be hard to live in. Sinners still live here, including me. Tornadoes, blizzards, they still happen. Cancer, it still exists. Businesses are still going to have downtimes and need to lay off people. Hard times will still come in life. But how cool is it that the creator of the world is willing to love us unconditionally and help us through the good times and those bad times? How cool is it that even when others in the world treat us as unchristlike, God is still good and still loves us. And we can hang out with other Christians who hopefully love a little bit like Jesus does. So the truth that the author says is following Jesus will never be easy or popular. Our greatest goal is not to be so-called cool or relevant in the world's eyes, but to be loyal followers of Christ, faithful subjects of his kingdom, regardless of the cost. Well, maybe you don't think it, but to me, that truth, it's pretty cool. All right. One final lie to consider. This is number 40, guys. Doesn't mean that's all the lies that Satan has out there for us, but these are the 40 that the author brought to our attention. Here's our final one to consider. My death will be the end of my story. 
Okay, this is the last lie of the book, and it's one that I, I really want to help you see another perspective than what the author might even share. And I even want us to look at the truth beyond there. The First, the author shares this truth. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus conquers sin and the grave. Your end and mine will not be the end, and it will be wonderful. Again, you know, we just celebrated Easter. I just mentioned that a few minutes ago. So that story that supports this truth that the author just shared should be fresh in our minds. If we put our faith in Christ, our eternal lives are with Christ. I 100% agree with what the author says. And if you know Jesus, if you have put your faith in Jesus, your eternal life has already started and it will go on eternally. Even after your physical bodies dies, paradise awaits for us. Now, if you have not yet given your life to Jesus, then after you physically die, you need to understand hell awaits. And so I want to say this. If you haven't yet, please get in touch with me. Let me know if you're still trying to figure this thing out because I'd love just to have a good conversation with you and help you to better understand what a life surrendered to Christ looks like. I want you to know that truth for sure. Why? Well, because the hope of eternal life really changes how I live each day. I have less fear and I have more hope. I have less anxiety and more peace. And the blessings will continue in my life if I have surrendered my life to Christ. My assurance of my eternal life because of the grace of God, it changes everything. Heaven awaits and my story goes on eternally. But on an extra level on this one, when my physical life here on earth dies, it will not be the end of my story here on earth either. I truly believe that. Why? Well, because of the word legacy. What do I mean? Well, when I die someday, I truly believe that my story will live on here on earth. It will live on primarily through the lives of my children. Much of who they are came from Karen and me. For instance, my kids love the Steelers and the Pirates and the Nittany Lions. Yes, you know the important things in life. Okay, well, that's one thing. That legacy will go on. But more seriously, what are the better things that will hopefully live on with my kids. Well, my kids love church life. That is something both my parents and Karen's parents shared with each of us, and we have shared it with our kids. My kids love hanging out with other church-type people. My kids are also learning the blessings of a daily walk with God. They learned that blessing from watching Karen and me. They love spending time in God's Word and spending time in prayer. My kids love caring about others in many different ways. Another important area for me to hand down, I learned how a godly man treats his wife by watching my dad and my uncles and other godly men. And hopefully, Andrew and Daniel, my boys, will learn that from me. It's a legacy. My story will go on because of what I have handed down to my children. But truthfully, 
It's not just my kids. I know that there are others out there, some of them might be you listening to this podcast, who have told me that the ministry that I have been doing has influenced your walk with Christ. If that's the case, then my story lives on through you and your family and the other people that you influence. Do you see what I'm saying, guys? Our story lives on not just because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but because of the legacy that we have left behind. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, because of how you have lived your life, maybe that's not good for you. But here's the deal, guys. Because from this day forward, for as many days that each of us have left on this earth, we have an opportunity to influence the lives around us. So it doesn't matter what's happened in the past for you. If you are in Christ Jesus today, What story will you write for the rest of your days? Ultimately, 100 years from now, not too many people will know the name Paul Boffman here on earth. And I'm okay with that. But eternally, Jesus knows my name. So my eternal story will go on and on. And that's most important. But here on earth, what I do each and every day today to shape the lives of those around me, most specifically my children and someday my grandchildren, will live on and will help them to continue my story or more importantly, God's story as he has helped me write my story and his story through me will go on for years to come. Does that make sense, guys? Our story will go on eternally with Christ and also here on earth if we share the life of Christ with others around us. All right, well, that's the end of the lies. That's 40 of them, guys. But I want you to come back one more week. Uh, I know next week is Mother's Day weekend, so you might not be uh, spending time too much listening but or getting together with guys, but hopefully... Uh, you're going to have time to listen to the podcast. And what I'm going to do next weekend, because we have spent this entire semester looking at how Satan tries to breathe lies, feed lies into our lives and and make us go down wrong paths, what I thought would be a good idea for us is to talk a little bit about spiritual warfare. And I'm going to talk about how Satan and his cohorts, the other evil powers out there that are truly trying to lead us astray, I want to talk about how we can be better prepared to fight the battles that Satan has going on. What are some of those boundaries, those better ways that we can be prepared that when Satan is trying to whisper these lies, these lies into us, how can we fight back? So I want you to come back. We're going to be talking about some of the armor of God and how we can be better prepared. So join me in that, guys. What a great journey. Hopefully you have gotten a lot out of these lies because the truth is, guys, Satan longs for you to walk away from God, and he's going to do everything in his power to do that. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, we have overcome because Jesus has overcome, and we are eternally blessed by God. Guys, keep, keep journeying, with, journeying with Jesus. Keep walking with him, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us so that tomorrow hopefully will be a better day as we walk with Christ. And may God get all the glory for the good things that he's doing in our lives. 
Love you guys. Praying for you, all of you men and ladies out there. I'm praying for all of you that God might continue to bless your life and allow you to walk with Jesus and allow your lives to be better and allow you to be better at life as we become holy men.